All right, thank you. Good morning. Good to see you here. You made a good choice to be at church today. I believe this with all my heart. You give God the first fruit of your week, and God will bless the rest of your week. So you did good today. If you're a guest, we're honored to have you here. You regulars, I'm blessed to see you here too. If you need a Bible, why don't you get your hand up real high, and then we will go to the book of John, chapter 16. John 16, and we'll get going where we're going on the wilderness today. I believe this one will be uh, very, very beneficial, and it'll help us in this area of our life. So as you're turning to John chapter 16, what if the Lord said to you in the day of trouble, I'll help you, I'll deliver you, I'll rescue you. Would you call out to him? Because he says that in, in Psalms 50 verse 15, call upon me in the day of trouble. And so when I see that, it's, it's like the Lord to me, he, he's a magnet toward people's weaknesses. He, he loves to see us call out to him and ask us to, or ask him for his help. And so that's part of where we're going today. So if you got your Bible, John 16, verse 33. If you'll notice, these are red letter words of the Lord Jesus said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. The Amplified says perfect peace and confidence. Now if you'll notice what he said, in me. In me you'll have peace. He didn't say if you win the lottery you'll have peace. You may scream your head off if you win the lottery, but it doesn't guarantee you peace. He said in me you will have peace. In the world you will have tribulation. Trouble, trials, difficulties, distress, frustration. One of the main definitions of, tri- of tribulation is pressure, stress, anguish, anxiety, adversity, affliction. It also means a, a squashing or a, a squishing. Now, could that define you right now? You got some pressures in your life. And so when you read what he's saying here, in this world, you will have tribulation, not maybe. You will have tribulation. So when you read this, understand this as a born-again believer. It's not the gospel of ease, okay? You're going to go through some things. But look how he ends this. But be of good cheer. Be of good heart. Take heart. The Amplified says confident, certain, undaunted. Be of good cheer. I have overcome The world, the Amplified says, I've deprived it of power to harm you. So when you look at this right here, you're going to go through some things, but Jesus offers us a covenant of peace. Jesus said, man, I want to hang out with you. I want this to be a good experience, and I want you to see ultimately, because I've overcome the world. You know what that means? We win. We're going to win. Now, turn with me to the book of Mark chapter 4. Mark chapter 4, and as you're turning there, do you have a list or an inventory of the cares of life, maybe the the difficulties of life? Just carry them around and they they seem to try to to, to bog you down. One of the words you're going to hear me talk about today will be the word of burden, and I'll define that a little bit here in a minute. But we're in in Mark 4 now, and this is called the parable of the sower. And if you have time, start in verse 1. I'm going to start in verse 13 because Jesus is going to answer the questions he asked him. So we begin, uh, Mark chapter 4, verse 13. And Jesus said to them, his disciples, 
Do you not understand this parable? Do you not discern this parable? How then will you understand or discern all the parables? Now, the parables were like a spiritual truth. And Jesus oftentimes, he taught in parables to help him get the significance of what he was teaching. But if you noted in this one, he said, you got to get this one. If you don't get this one, you won't get any of them. So better stated to you, this one right here, it's the granddaddy of them all. And so I'm going to highlight this because there's going to be some things in there that I believe are really significant for us today. So he begins after that at verse 14. The sower or the farmer sows or he plants the word of God. Now again, we're highlighting this granddaddy of them all, this this parable that we got to get. And it's interesting that Jesus starts out immediately with the word of God. Now, I've told you here in the last several months that it just, it really seems like the Lord is putting an emphasis on the Word of God in my heart unlike any other time. And I believe the reason he's doing this is because we live in a society that's gotten to a place where we don't view the Word of God as the ultimate, the only authority. We've watered it down. It's to a degree. We kind of like to look at the Word of God as multiple choice. Well, I like this one, but I don't like this one. But here's the thing, and when you see what he's talking about, you got to get the word. You must live by the word. You must get the word to your children. You must make an effort to go overboard and emphasize the significance of the word of God. Why? Well, it's either all true or none of it's true. Ooh, keep reading. And these are the ones sown by the wayside. Better stated, the footpath or the hardened soil. So we could call this first one the footpath people. And these are the ones by the wayside. Where the word is sown. When they hear, comma. So it gives me a little insight immediately. How is the word of God sown? You got to hear the word of God. But understand this. Just because I hear the word of God and he likens the word of God to a seed, all seed does not guarantee a harvest. Now in this, what you're going to see is with the seed of the word of God, you're going to see the ability for progression with the word of God, or it can actually be a lack of progression with the word of God. So these are the ones sown when they hear. Satan comes immediately And takes away the word that was sown in their heart. You know what that tells me? The devil does not want you hearing the word of God. He's after the word of God. It says that immediately he comes to take the word of God. Now if that doesn't jump start you, let me help you just a little bit. If he goes to such extremes to keep you from the word of God, you better go to such extremes to get into the word of God. I, I got to stay with the word of God over and over again. Why is the devil so anti-word of God? Well, Matthew 4, 4 says uh, the, the word of God is, is something that it, it's more precious than even bread. That man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. I can live, but I don't truly live unless I live by the word of God. You can go through the motions. How about this? John eight thirty two. he said, only the truth will set you free. 
I don't know if you've ever needed to be set free. I've been needed to be set free. And thank God the word of God still has that. So again, the devil will fight you tooth and nail to keep you from getting the word. He don't want you to get set free. The prophet Hosea said in Hosea 4, 6, my people perish for lack of knowledge. He doesn't want you understanding who and what you are with Christ. He doesn't want you understanding you're innocent by the blood of the lamb. None of that. So he goes to great extremes to keep you from the word. That's the first one. Now, I'm just going to highlight something here. There's four categories. Every one of us in this room are going to fall into one of those categories, I believe, right now. The second one, we begin in verse number 17 or 16. These likewise are the ones sown on stony ground. Better stated, these are the ones on rocky soil or hard soil. Who when they hear the word, they hear the word, they immediately receive it with gladness. They, they accept it. They welcome it. They respond with great enthusiasm. Woo, did you see what the word of God said? And they have no root in themselves. They, they, they have a, a shallow soil of character. And get a hold of this. They have no root in themselves. In other words, they haven't invested enough time to get the word of God to take root in themselves. They never get around to doing anything with the word of God. James 1.22, be doers of the word and not hearers only. So again, this may define us. They receive it with gladness, but they have no root within themselves. So they endure only for a time or a little while. Afterward, when tribulations, troubles, problems, or even persecution arises for the word's sake or because of the word. Wow. And can I tell you something? When you sign up to live by the word of God, You've enlisted to a life of difficulties, tribulations, and even persecutions. Those are designed to get you to stop living by the word of God. So again, don't throw in the towel. And so he ultimately says this. So they endure for a time afterward in tribulation and persecution rise for the word's sake. Immediately they stumble, they're offended, they're displeased, they're resentful. And actually, at times, you see people that fall into this category. You know what they say? The Word of God doesn't work. It doesn't work. But did you give it time to take root in your heart? Now, here's the third one. Verse 18. Now, these are the ones sown among thorns, weeds. They are the ones who hear the Word. And the cares of this world, the anxieties, the worries, I'm overwhelmed with the worries, the problems of life. And these are the ones, they hear the word, but the, uh, the cares of the world. Let me ask you something over that. You got some cares? I, I would be willing to bet every one of us in this room have cares. Some just have more cares than others. The cares of the world... The, the deceitfulness of riches 
or the lure of materialism and the desire or other things, the false glamour of this life. And when you read the first three there, the, the cares of the world, the deceitful riches, the desire for other things, these are the distractions of this age. What are they designed to distract us from? Keep reading. And they enter in and choke the word. Better stated, they enter in. They suffocate the word. Better yet, they enter in and the design of these is to crowd the word of God out of your life where there's no room in your life. And it's interesting, he says, it chokes the word and it, the word of God, becomes unfruitful. So the design of the word of God is for you and me to walk in fruit. But when I allow any of these areas of my life to cry out the word of, or crowd out the word of God, I'm not going to have any fruit in my life. Now when you look at this, this statement here, this, this parable that he's talking about, when they wrote this in Hebrew times, the farmer didn't have modern day machinery where his rows were straight and all in line. So in studying what happens here is the farmer would take handfuls of seed and he would begin to throw them wherever he could. And no matter how gifted he was, some would uh, fall on the footpath, some would fall on the stony ground, and some of it would fall uh, upon the thorns. But in every one of those cases there, the word of God was sown. And so here's the point, first of all, with Jesus is telling us in this parable, you got to get in the Word. you got to get in the Word. I don't care how old you are, get into the Word and God will get into you. Get into the Word and stay with the Word. Well, this is what people say. I don't care what people say. The Word of God overrides what people say. The Word of God overrides humanism. The Word of God over, overrides anything in this world. So stay with the word. Now we get to the fourth one. Verse 20. But these are the ones sown on good ground, good soil, well-adapted soil. Now listen, listen. Man, this is the one we got to get. Those who hear the word of God. Got to hear the word of God. They accept it. Now when I saw the word accept there, I, I looked and I thought, I've got to find every definition of the word except. It says they welcome the word of God. They receive the word of God. They embrace the word of God. Woo, this is good soil. When you look at the word of God and say, that's how I'm going to live my life. I'm going to base my life, how I act, how I behave, how the society views me. I'm going to embrace the word of God. So my answer to everything is when you ask, what does the word of God say? What's the word of God? They embrace the word of God. And when this happens, look what takes place. And they bear fruit. Some 30-fold, some 60-fold, and some 100. They bear fruit. But here's another question that comes of that. Why is there varying yields? Why is there 30, 60, 100? Again, I believe this, this is what I was talking about. That with some people with the word of God... It doesn't ever progress. Actually, they lose it. 
with others, they begin to progress in it. And, and the more I progress or the more I grow in the Word of God and my faith keeps growing, I may go from 30 to 60 to 100. That's what I love about the Word of God. You can continually progress with the Word of God. And I believe a lot of that on the area of my faith. I'm going to get to a place where I, I believe you, Father God. I trust you in ways like I've never trusted you. The progression of the word of God. Now here's where I want to highlight. Go back with me to verse 19. And it says, And the cares of this world. This is what we're going to highlight on our wilderness today. And the cares of this world. Now let me ask you a question right now. Are you overwhelmed by the cares of this world? See, it's a question I've got to ask myself. Am I, am, I, am I overwhelmed by the cares of this world? Is there certain types of the cares of this world that are crowding out, that is choking or suffocating the word of God in my life? This passage is cross-referenced to 1 Peter 5. Go with me to 1 Peter 5. And we're going to dig in here a little bit today. And we're going to see exactly what the Lord Jesus is wanting to help us with. Because I believe for every one of us in here, he's wanting you to walk in kingdom fruit. Now I highlighted this as you're going to 1 Peter 5, the word burden. It's a word that we don't hear that often anymore. The word burden is B-U-R-D-E-N. It literally means it denotes a weight, a way down, an overload. Or oppressing. Are you overloaded? Are you weighed down? Do, do you feel a, a pressing? That's almost like it never goes away. It's, you, it's okay. The word of God is going to teach us today what to do. And I believe for every one of us in here, it's going to teach us. And some of us, it's going to take us to another level. First Peter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Now, that's not the subject today. But you younger people would really benefit if you would pay attention to that. It would help you in life. Thank you for those amens. I guess some of you want me to, d- to define what younger is. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Now think about that phrase, be clothed with humility. To be clothed with humility, that means I have to put humility on. Just read into that just a little bit. If you have socks on today, you chose what socks you were going to wear, okay? If you don't have any socks on today, you chose that too. But if you have socks on, you chose to be clothed with those socks. In other words, those socks didn't jump out of your drawer and jump on your feet. Neither will humility. It becomes a choice. Now, we're going to get into this, the definition of this here in just a second. Be clothed with humility. Why is that so important? For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. So think about this in this sense, that God is either resisting you or he's giving to you. 
And it's based on what you choose to be clothed with. So the only time in the Bible, I can't find it any other place, the only time God resists a human being is when they're prideful or arrogant. They have that leave me alone cologne on. I got it, God. I I don't need you. I don't need you. He resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now watch how how we're going to define humble here. Verse 6. Therefore, humble yourselves. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. The Amplified says, listen to this. Demote or lower yourselves in your own estimation. Humble yourself. So you know what this tells me? You're not a superhero. You're not invincible. You're not Holy Spirit Junior. You're not the man of the hour with power. Humble yourselves. Have a lower estimation of yourselves. Not in a degrading way. But he says, humble yourself under, not over, the mighty hand of God. And so when he says the mighty hand of God, the message says, God's strong hand is on you. Now, why is this such a big deal? That he may exalt you in due time. God wants to exalt you. The message says that he may promote you in the appropriate or the precise moment. God wants to exalt you. He didn't say for me to exalt myself, lift me higher, lift. No, he said he wants to exalt you. It's God's job to exalt you. So if you look in this, how does this take place? Well, I've got to meet the condition for God to exalt me. The first condition for God to exalt me is I've got to humble myself. I've got to put on the robe of humility. You know what the robe of humility says? You're the potter, I'm the clay. You're the creator, I'm the creation. Go to work in me, Lord, I surrender to you. But if you'll notice at the end of verse 6, there's a comma. And then it says, verse 7, casting all your care. Give all your care. Now that word care then there means burdens. It means my worries, my life's issues, my concerns, my responsibilities, my, or my needs. The word denotes distraction and anxieties and burdens. Cast all your cares. Highlight all. Not just a few of them. Not the minor ones. Lord, I'm going to give you the minor ones. I'm going to take the major ones. Cast all your care. This is the second condition. If I don't cast my care, then I don't walk in the promise. Now think about the word casting. The thing that first came to me, and I thought about bringing my fishing pole, but I'd be dangerous. I'd catch one of you right in the head. (laughs) Think about that. You bait that hook and you, you cast it. I cast, I, you know what, cast, it gets away from me. It's no longer mine, I've cast it. Cast or give all your care upon him. Why? For he cares for you. He cares for you affectionately. 
I believe this is one of the areas that we stay in the wilderness because we never get out of it when we think, I got this. I don't need God's help. You don't got nothing. Now, there's two types of people. There's some people that walk around and they have this inventory, massive care list. Huge. And there's another group of people that they don't walk around with any cares. And some of you would sigh and say, boy, that would be nice. Lucky you. Let me rephrase that. The reason they walk around with no cares is because they've learned to come under God's grace and they've obeyed verse number seven and they said, I got cares, but I'm gonna cast them on Father God and let him do what he said he desired to do. See, I don't submit to the circumstances. I submit to the one who controls the circumstances. So right here, I look at this and I think, is this me? Does this define me? How well are you doing with your cares? Or better yet, what are you doing with your cares? Turn with me the book of Luke chapter 10. And this is what we'll end with this morning. Luke chapter 10. I can tell you something here, guys. I don't get an A plus in this area. I wish I could tell you I did. It's something that I continue to grow and grow more and grow more in. Man, when I get into a place where I say, okay, Father God, have it. God begins to work. Now, as you're turning to Luke 10, let me throw this thought out here for you. There's many of us in this room that have children or grandchildren that may not be serving God the way we desire. And there's some of you in here right now that you have children that aren't serving God the way they desire or you desire. And oftentimes as moms and dads, grandparents, you know what we think our job is? To fix everybody. We're fixers. I'm going to gorilla glue my kids back together. I'm going to do this. And I, I found this out in the area of my life. It wears me out trying to be God. And so this is an area of our life that we're having to walk through to learn and say, okay, Father God, I, I cast this care of my child upon you. That doesn't mean I don't pray. That's not what that means, all, but it's looking and saying, you know, Father God, I put my care on you. I cast my care upon you. Now, think about this sense. If I really cast my care upon God, that takes incredible humility, but it also takes great faith. And sometimes our faith, we're like, Father God, I want to believe you, but I, I, I continue to look back at me. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they disciples went that Jesus entered a certain village and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And Martha had a sister called Mary who sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She was troubled about many things. She was preoccupied. And so when you see this, what was spoken about this word, woman named uh, Martha, the object of our cares becomes the direction of my mind. Say that again, Pastor. The objection of my cares 
becomes the direction of my mind. Better stated, as a man thinketh, so is he. Or the direction I put my focus, my mind to, that's the area I gravitate to. So here's a woman who he says she was distracted or or preoccupied with many things. And she approached Jesus and she said, Lord, do you not care that my sister have left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. In other words, I'm the only one doing anything for you, Jesus. Now look at his response in verse 41. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Stop just a second. Martha, Martha. I don't think he said that loud or ugly. Martha, Martha. You need a chill pill, girl. (laughs) Relax. You're all, well, I better not say that. Martha, Martha. You're worried and troubled about many things. Now let me ask you something. Right here where you're sitting. Does this describe your life right now? It's okay to admit that. Don't elbow your neighbor and say, he's talking to you. And when you look what Jesus says here, he doesn't negate Martha's hospitality. He doesn't negate what she's doing. But he's really concerned about her distractions and her worries and her troubles. Why is he so worried about that? Verse 42. But one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken away from her. So what he was worried about with Martha, or he's saying, you've underemphasized the one thing that's needed. Now listen real close. He said, but Mary has chosen. Mary has, has made this one thing priority. Above all else, Mary has figured out this one thing, and it's incredible, he says, which will not be taken away from her. So to really understand what the one thing was, look back in verse 39, and it'll tell us, and she had a sister called Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. The word of God became priority. It's got to be priority. This is what The Lord Jesus prescribed. He said, above all your serving, above everything else. And Mary's chosen it. Pastor, I'm too busy. No, you chose to be too busy. You set your own agenda. You said, and there's times I have to say, I set my own own schedule this. I can't blame anybody but me. You know, right now, if you ask most Americans, how are you today? They'll reply in one of two ways. Busy or I'm tired. Well, pat yourself on the back. Who set your schedule? 
I didn't do mean that to you, okay? <laughs> kind, I may have. And so when I read that, she sat at his feet and heard his word. That's priority. Yeah. Number two, to sit at the feet of Jesus. Ooh, I, I choose to come sit at the feet of Jesus. And so when I come to the feet of Jesus, that could represent two things to me. One, man, when I come to the feet of Jesus, I I come to worship you, to praise you. But number two, to come to the feet of Jesus, this is Lord Jesus, I'm coming to lay my cares before you. And remember what Jesus said in John 16, 33? He said, in me, you'll have peace. So when I put down all the cares of my world, the busy, all the things that are going down, I I choose to come around peace. I choose to fellowship at the feet of peace. Even in a crazy world. Even when the cares of the world are lined up. Tomorrow's Monday. I got to get kids to school. I got a dentist appointment. Billy Bob's got a doctor appointment. The dog needs flea shots, if that's possible. My husband's got to be babysit. I got cooked. No one out around here does the dishes. Who's going to make the bed? And guess what's happened? I've suffocated the very most important thing in my life. And something happens when I come to the feet of Jesus and I worship. Won't you stand on your feet today? Now, as you're standing, let me ask you a question right now. And the only reason I'm asking this question Because it's going to do something in your heart. Whose life right now does your life resemble more? Mary or Martha? What would happen today if we said, Lord Jesus, I'm I'm going to come to your feet today. I'm I'm going to cast my cares upon you. And I know with this thing called life, many times we get really, really burdened down. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to use my Kleenex box kind of like you would see a, a backpack. And I walk around with these, these burdens. And I walk around with them. And some of you are, are walking with, with your head bowed a little of you. Some of you look like you're the hunchback of Notre Dame. Some of you look like you're on your knees and you're crawling. And so I believe this with all my heart that today in in an act of Father God, I'm coming today. I'm coming to the altars today and I'm bringing my cares and I'm going to lay them down at your feet today. I'm going to lay them there. Now here's the problem that happens many times. We lay them down at our feet or the feet of Jesus and then after service is over, we start thinking about all the things I got to do and you're on the way out and you kind of look around and you pick it back up. Jesus is saying, cast your care upon me. Cast your care upon me. And begin to say, Father God, I I put the robe of humility on. I need you today, Father God. Grace me, grace me, grace me, Lord. Teach me to cast my care. Teach me to come before you. Grace me this day, this week to make your word priority, Lord. Again, I said this earlier, guys. This 
this is something that it's, it's like the Lord is opening up my heart and saying, come on, dude, you're going to have to give me some of these things, okay? You're going to have to learn to cast your care. I'm going to have them sing, and I, I welcome you today. If you're loaded and worried, worried and burdened down and all those definitions, let's come before God today. Some of you need to visualize throwing them down. So that's it. No more. Okay? Go ahead. Thank you for listening today. For more information, please visit faithchurchlebeck.com.